Shalom, shalom, welcome world changers. This is a special night because I've been talking about this topic for quite some time now. So I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, so fasten your seatbelts and, uh, and get ready for what we're going to share tonight. It's just such an exciting night. Um, I can hardly contain myself. Um, so yeah, I'm live streaming on TikTok, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch, on DLive, on lots of other platforms as well, Trovo and lots of other ones. Also on TikTok. So when you see me looking up and I'm talking to, it looks like I'm looking somewhere else, it's because I am talking to another camera and I'm responding to other comments. So um, please keep that in mind. So when it comes to the YouTube or all the other platforms there, if you have any spe spe excuse me, specific questions or comments you want to really direct to me, put at Christopher. And um, that way I can kind of um, find some of the ones that are really... Okay. 1 John 2.26. Okay, we got a prayer request. And those of you who know uh, how we do things around here, when we get a prayer request, we want it, we we do our best to take care of that right away. Uh, so we're going to do this first off. You know, um, I think it's of utmost importance for us to pray for one another. And this is no exception. Okay, so 1 John 2.26 says, can we pray for no life gain? to give a fresh start. Okay, so let me see here, pray for me. Okay, I'm just kind of looking back in the comments. Yes, we will, because uh, the previous comment here says, No Life Gaming says, pray for me that, that tomorrow I can start my new life sober. Okay, let's do that, let's do that. Father, we come before you tonight, Father. We worship you, we adore you, we love you. We thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for bringing us to this place in our life and, and, and having the ability to fellowship and, and to share even through a live stream. Father, we ask you that tonight you will open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, speak to us, change our lives, impart more of your mind to us, impart more of your ability of, of knowledge and, and intellect. We know, Father, you are the God, you are an intellectual God. And so, Father, we ask you that you would impart that same attribute to everyone. And in specific, Father, we're praying as well for uh, this particular person that goes by the handle of No Life Gaming. And Father, we ask you that you would just work a miracle here, Father, that by your presence, by your power, by the truth, as it says, the truth will set you free, that the truth will set this person free, and that tomorrow this person will start a new life sober. Let, the, let your power, let your grace be imparted to this person to do that in the name of of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Amen. No Life Gaming, let me give you just a little bit of a, a tip before we get on to the next comment here. First of all, don't hang around with people that would lead you into that kind of thing. Second of all, get rid of everything that's in your fridge. Okay, just pour it down the drain. 
Uh, thirdly, when you have a temptation, say, no, Satan, get behind me. For it is written, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer, li- I no longer live, yet it's Christ that lives in me. Okay, quote Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 to the devil. That'll help you out very, very, very much, tremendously. And uh, feel free to go back in the replays and and listen to those uh, pieces of advice as well. Uh, I I know of many people, and I've uh, I've been involved in in that kind of um, background as well. No life gaming, so I know uh, I have a little bit of knowledge where you're coming from. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Okay. Yahuwah's word is truth, says Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Byron says Shalom, Shalom Byron. Good to see you, good to see you. Okay, guys. Last call for sharing this video. Last call. Um, If anybody you know of that would be a little bit open, like, I mean, a lot of people, unfortunately, are just so closed. They believe the first thing they hear, and they will not consider anything else. And, you know, that's really a sign of lack of intellectual capacity and ability. Someone's like that. You need... The more we learn, okay, as they always say, live and learn, okay, live and learn. And the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. You probably heard something like that as well. And learning is a process of changing. It's a, it's a process of, of discovering new things. And my prayer for each one of us today, myself included, is to learn new things and to grow in our knowledge. Our knowledge of the scriptures, our knowledge of what the what the gospel has and everything about it and our knowledge of God himself amen all right so let's let's begin first of all for any of you who are listening and I if you didn't put anything in the live chat whatever the case is welcome welcome Blessings multiplied to you. I Lord would bless you and and just fill you with great wisdom as we go through some of this material. Right off that we cannot, we just it's just impossible to cover thing in this one video. It would be it would probably be days long. But we're gonna we're gonna cover some things. And some of these things I'm sure will make you think. And you know what? That's a good thing. You know, God is a God of knowledge. He is a God of intellectual capacity. He, that's really what sets the human race apart from any other being, a creature, is the intellectual capacity of the human race. And when God made Adam and, and when God made man in his image, it was the intellectual capacity that set him apart from any other animal. That's what, that's what really equipped him to take dominion, to take dominion. And, to, you know, as they say, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And that's how we get dominion. 
more knowledge, more knowledge. And hopefully tonight we will polish up on some of that knowledge and add to some and we'll be, we'll be, uh, iron sharpens iron. So that's, um, I want to, I want to begin by explaining myself because I'm going to be referring a lot of people back to this video. People in the, in the future, that because I know it's going to happen. You guys who have followed me so far, you know so many times, it's like people ask questions. Well, you know, Jesus said this, or it says this, and how do you reconcile that with the rest of the Bible? And you know, you, you guys know, some of you know. I say, hmm, sounds like the Gospel of John. Am I right? Is that the Gospel of John? And I, pretty much, it's almost always the Gospel of John. And I always say, hey, you know, I got something I want to share about the Gospel of John, but I just haven't been able, I just haven't shared it yet. Tonight I'll share at least some of it. In the future, when people ask questions about the Gospel of John and it happens to touch on some of these issues, I will say, hey, refer back to this video. Refer back to the video entitled The Book of John Object Objective Analysis. Okay. This is, uh, AJ says, Shalom all. Shabbat Shalom KMJJ. And the Tower Time says, Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Bless you all. Bless y'all. And blessings multiplied to you as well. Okay. Let's talk about this. I want to begin. For those who don't know me, because again, I know that there are going to be people out there that, um, that are going to be watching this video, because I'm going to refer them to this video and perhaps some of you might refer some people to watch this video so i think it's very important to understand where i'm coming from okay why what brought me to this place just a very very brief overview of who i am and where i come from will help you to understand where what i'm why i say why i look at things the way i do for the first 18 years of my life, I was not, I would not say I was saved. I was raised in a home that was a quote unquote Christian home, although we hardly ever, rarely, maybe a funeral here or a wedding here, we ever went to church and that's about it. So, but there was a Bible and every once in a while I would pick a Bible up, I would pick the Bible up and start reading it, even as a child. And I would find it very intriguing. Uh, and I, I I enjoyed reading the Bible, although I didn't read it very much during those first 18 years. Um, but God was working on me. And when I was eight, I experienced God. God flooded my life in a way. God came in my life in a way that changed me so, so thoroughly and completely. The only way I can describe it is the born-again experience. And I'm not talking about going forward and making a decision in church. That's not what I mean. I'm not talking about making a decision for Jesus Christ and accepting Him as Lord and Savior. That's not what I mean. I actually did that many times previous. But now, looking back, I don't think that that was really a born-again experience because I wasn't changed. I wasn't truly born again. But this happened when I was 18 years old. And when that happened, I started studying the Bible more. I mean, like I said, I read the Bible before. And I used to actually, as a teenager, 
as a wild, crazy teenager doing lots of things that I shouldn't be doing and hanging around with people that I shouldn't be hanging around, you know, the quote unquote wrong crowd, so to speak. Um, I even carried a Bible with me. I even carried a Bible with me. And I would do a little bit of preaching here and there, even though I wasn't living it. But in when I was 18 years old, God changed my life completely. I mean, the old sinful self, the old dark self completely died. And I became a new creation, born again, as they say. That really catapulted me into a life of studying the scriptures and like like never before. Like take what I did before and multiply it by like a thousand. It was like if I wasn't sleeping, if I wasn't eating, if I wasn't working, I was reading the scriptures or praying, doing something, pressing into God. Okay. And so initially, I believe I knew the truth. You know how it says in 1 John, when you have the anointing, you know the truth and you know all things kind of thing. Uh, initially, I believe I knew the truth. But I, you see what happened was, the first thing I did was I thought, you know, I, I better start going to church. I mean, you know, so the first thing I did was I got baptized in, in a church and I started going to church and I I, I ended up sliding right in, slipping right into the groove of mainstream Christianity. And that took me down the road of saying, you know, the, the typical evangelical conservative Christian view um, that every single word of the Bible is God's word speaking to you today. And, and there's 66 books in the Bible, no more, no less, and everything else is closed off. And this is it. And I went with that for a long time. And, but you see, I thought a lot. I read and I thought a lot. I thought for myself. <laughs> and so thinking for myself, you think about as you read the Bible more. And as I read, as I read the Bible more and more and more and more, the more and more questions I had. How does that fit with this? How does that fit with that? What's the new, what's the New Testament? What's the Old Testament? How, I mean, what uh, all this stuff. It took me. 20, how many years? Uh, let me think now. It took me almost 20 years to get to the point where it's like, hey, you know what? God's God's law, most people know me as someone who's preaching about God's instructions and old commandments of God. It took me a long time to get there. And I got there. because I got there from reading the Bible. I started, the more and more I read the Bible, the more and more I realized that the, that the narrative of the mainstream Christian church was wrong. And I know how difficult it is to admit that. Once you have been, once you have fallen into the groove, once you've accepted everything as gospel truth, that the, what man says, and, and, and you conflate it to what, what the scriptures really say. I get it. I know. I, I've been there, done that. But you see, we have to be humble. And we have to always come to the table to say, you know what? We, I, I may be wrong. I might be wrong. And you come to the table with that attitude, saying, hey, I'm going to present my evidence, and everybody else presents their evidence. You present your points. I present my points. 
I might be wrong. You might be wrong. We come to the table seeking the truth, not to defend our traditions, not to defend our mainstream Christian narrative, but coming for the truth and the truth alone. We don't want to explain it away because there's been enough of explaining things away in modern Christianity. Enough is, it's, it, you get to the point where you get sick of it. Even when you engage in it yourself, I know what it's like. I've been there, done that, where I've kind of explained things away. I mean, I'm talking about before, my, my before observing Torah kind of days I'm talking about, okay? And I've, I started viewing, I started asking simple questions, questions that a lot of people don't ask. And that is, why isn't only 66 books and no more, no less? Why is the Bible, how is it, how can Protestant, mainstream Protestants be correct and every other church be wrong? the Catholics and the and the and, and like several different Orthodox churches. Now I'm not, I'm not talking about Catherine. I'm not talking about Catholic doctrine or Orthodox doctrine per se. I'm talking about their Bible, their Bible canon. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about all these other things that you guys can comes to your mind. You know, is it right that a Protestant could stand in the face of an Ethiopian Orthodox church leader and say, my Bible's right, your Bible's wrong. I have 66 books, you have 81 books, you're wrong. wrong. I started studying the Bible. I started the framework of the Bible, the canon of the Bible. And the more and more I studied it, the more and more I, 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 I realized that the Bible is a work, uh, let me see, Try to figure a, a, the best way to say this without coming across the wrong way. Because I know some, some people would, would take it the wrong way. The Bible canon is man-made. It's not from God. Now, I'm not talking about the books of the Bible. I'm not talking about the books of the Bible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, Isaiah and, you know, the book of James and, you know, every book of the Bible is man-made. No, don't get me wrong. It's not what I'm saying at all. Not at all. I'm talking about the, the list of books that's in the Bible. Nowhere ever in history has any credible prophet, priest, king, scribe, church leader, anybody ever came forward and said, hey, God spoke to me, an angel came to me, or a million angels came to me, whatever the case, and said, hey, take all of these books and put it together in one book and call it the Bible. And by the way, there's only 66 books and no more. Nowhere. Nowhere. In history, nowhere in the Bible do you ever read that. In fact, in the days of Jesus, every book of the Bible was kept in separate, separately. You have the scroll of Isaiah over here, the scroll of Jer Jeremiah over there. You've got the books of the law over here. You've got the minor prophets over there, and so on and so forth. Jesus had no problem with it. Bible in the backs. As much as most churches claim to be 
Book of Acts type churches, there, there was no Bible. They had each book kept individually apart from each other. And that is way better, actually. The only, the only positive thing about a Bible is that it makes it convenient. You can, you can put it all together in one book, but there's a lot of negatives. First of all, first and foremost, the negative is that it's conducive to, to, to making an idol out of it. And that's what a lot of Protestants do today. A lot of Protestants. They've made an idol out of the Bible. And I'm not talking about the books of the Bible. I'm talking about the list of books that are in the Bible. Don't get me wrong. Because the Bible itself is like a library. It's a collection of books. It's not one book. Well, it is one book, but it's a, you know what I mean. It's one book that's compiled, uh, a collection of books put together into one book. So when I say the Bible canon, I'm talking about the actual collection and not the the individual books in and of themselves. So the Bible has many different books from different authors in different from different um, ages, from different centuries. And these, and each author has its has has his own place in the hierarchy. Okay, the books of Moses ranked way higher than the book of Psalms for a multitude of reasons. Some books, like the the Chronicles and other other books, are part of the um, Ketavim, which is a very it's a lower status. It's more like just like a you know, the historical books and uh, literally kept means writings. So to say, to, to take a whole bunch of books and to put them all together in one and say there's no mistakes in any of these books is, is very, you're making a great assumption. You're making the assumption that there's no, there's no mistakes because there can't be any mistakes. Because you've deified these books. And you will not find any mistakes in these books because, in your own mind, there are no mistakes. You're going to be bending over. You're going to be bending over backwards to try to reconcile one thing with the other, another thing with the other thing. You're, and you know what? You can reconcile anything. You can reconcile anything. You can find a, 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 an excuse for anything. It's like how I say there's, there's no evidence. You can deny anything. You can deny anything. But there is such a thing as evidence that is beyond a reasonable doubt, that would give you a reason to believe something beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a different story. Undeniable evidence doesn't exist. You can deny anything and everything. So we must come to the table with humility. We must be able to say, hey, perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps there are mistakes. You have to be willing to change your views. Because if you're not, you are saying that you're perfect. If you're not willing to change your, 
your views, you are not thinking. You have to be willing. Humility is key. As it says in the scriptures, God opposes the proud. And in the original, in the original, it has, it, it, it basically, if you're proud, God sets himself up against you in battle array. You don't want that. You want to come with humility. Humility is key. If you're not willing to change your views, you're not humble. Thinking. Talk about some contradictions tonight. Keep in mind, contradictions are, let me just define what contradictions are before we get into the meat of it here. Contradictions are two things that cannot be plausibly reconciled. Contradictions are not differences. Okay? Contradictions are two things that cannot be plausibly reconciled. Two things that cannot be true at the same time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to the table, and I'm going to start here by saying this. I'm going to lay the, the groundwork here. I'm going to tell you what I believe everyone should concede. I'm going to tell you what I am I'm not going to concede. And I'm going to give you some advice before we open up the book of John. What everyone should concede is number one, what I just said. Almost everything can be reconciled. In other words, if you if you walked, if let, let's say for example, if you drove from, let's just say you drove from New York to LA. Okay, let's say you drove that far. And then, okay, so we got one text that says, that you drove from New York to L.A. And then another text said that you walked that. You walked from New York to L.A. How can you reconcile saying you drove from New York to L.A. and the other one say you walked from New York to L.A.? Well, someone might say, well, theoretically, I mean, you actually walked to the car and you walked from the car to, and you know what I mean? Like people can reconcile anything. This is why it's so important to be humble. And when you see a contradiction, you admit it. Because the last thing you want to do is stand before God on judgment day. And for you to be wrong. We need to be seeking the truth. So that's number one. I believe that everyone should concede that everything can be reconciled. There are no, there is no such thing as undeniable evidence. You can deny anything. You can talk around anything. You can, you can make an excuse for anything. That's number one. Number two, that contradictions could happen for, for different reasons. Okay? Not to say that the author of a book was, um, or is, malicious, but contradictions within the text can, can happen for, for different reasons. Okay? The reasons could be, let's say, for example, let's say they got different sources of information. You got two different books, you got two different sources of information. I mean, that can be a reason for a contradiction. Another thing is two different points of view. Another thing is maybe there's two different writing practices. But just because there are reasons for contradictions doesn't mean that there are not contradictions. 
Okay, so those two things, I believe everyone should concede. Number one, everything can be reconciled. There's no such thing as undeniable evidence. Number two, that contradictions can happen for a variety of reasons. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to concede. Personally, I'm not going to concede that a contradiction is not a contradiction. If it's a contradiction, it's a contradiction. Plain and simple. That's number one. Number two, I'm not going to concede that two contradictory accounts can be both historically accurate at the same time. And number three, I'm not going. I am not going to concede that that uh, that we should stick to our guns no matter what. I'm not going to concede that we should argue against the truth just for the sake of arguing f against the truth, just just for our own sake of of pride or ego. We have to we have to be mindful that whatever we've been taught. Whatever we've been brought up to believe could be wrong. And you should give it if it is wrong. You have you can you can give it up if logic, reason, and truth leads you in a different direction. So follow the truth, not what you've always been taught. And finally, my advice for, for you is to think for yourself. I'm not here saying I have exclusive truth. I'm not here saying follow me. I, I'm not, I'm just, I, I'm here to, to spur on to think for yourself. That's the reasons why we talk about some contra controversial things on this live stream. That's the reason why I have some controversial figures as guests on this live stream. Everything from a full-blown Paulian to a messianic, or not a messianic, I should say anti-messianic, anti-missionary Jew. Because I want you guys to think for you. It's, it's important to think for yourself. God gave you a brain. That's number one. Number two, research for yourself. Don't take what I say just because, look it up yourself. Be like a Berean in Acts chapter 17. When the Apostle Paul came to Berea, he preached his message. He preached the quote-unquote gospel of Paul. They didn't believe him at face value. It says they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether or not what Paul said was true. What scriptures did they have? They didn't have the New Testament. No, no, no. They bounced Paul off of the so-called Old Testament, the Tanakh. Okay? Likewise, I, I urge you to do, this, to do the same. See for yourself. And number four, and we're, we're doing this as, we, as we're reading through our nightly um, Bible readings. For those of you who are not familiar with what we're doing, uh, Every evening, we read through part of the Bible, several chapters of the Bible. And as we go on, I'm going to be doing this. But finally, before, again, this is the last point I want to make here before I jump right in. I urge you, I, I advise you, 
to read the Bible yourself and to read it in a chronological way. Don't read Matthew and then read Mark and then read Luke and then read John. Read it like in a chronological way. If they're talking about a certain event, read each one in step. See what Matthew has to say about that certain event. See what Mark has to say. See what Luke has to say. See what John has to say. If it's in John, we're going to talk about that later. But when you read it chronologically, it, it also, you know, when you, for those of you who are a little bit familiar with the Bible, we have First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. First and Second Kings, um, in the older traditions, it's all it's both one book. But First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles is almost like a copy of First and Second Kings. It's pretty much the same thing repeated, but it's not the same thing. So when you read it chronological, chronologically, you read, you read, let's say, you know, 1 Kings chapter 1 and 1 Chronicles chapter 1, and you compare what it says. And this is how you can really point, you can really see where things can get, well, questions can arise. Let me just say that. And finally, what I want to say to you. What we're going to say about the Gospel of John tonight. I am not advocating that you throw out the Gospel of John. I am not advocating that the Gospel of John is garbage. I am not advocating that you shouldn't read it. Everyone should read it. You should study it. I want to get that right on the table. And I'm not advocating that the Bible is to be thrown out either. God forbid. No way. Okay? Just because I I may point something out. Don't take it to the extreme. Don't read in between the lines. You can, a you can ask me questions in the live chat. And again, for those of you who are in the live chat, especially over there on the other platforms, um, you can, if you got any specific questions you want to ask, you know, ask me specifically, put that at Christopher in there. So let's get in the whole thing about the Gospel of John. Quite some time ago, before I ever even mentioned it publicly, I noticed, again, I, it wasn't because of any influence I had. I mean, I never heard anybody preach, you know, against this at all or, or about this at all. Never heard anything. Just my own studies of reading the Gospels, reading the Bible as a whole, I started saying, whoa, wait a second. There's something about the Gospel of John that we need to look into. And I've said this for a while, before I ever mentioned it on any video. And the more I look into it and the more I study it, the more and more I see. We've got a problem, for lack of a better word. I, I don't want to sound a little bit, I don't want to sound negative here, but let me show you what I mean. Hear me out. As it says in the book of Proverbs, to answer a matter before you hear it, it is foolishness and folly. Do not answer me. Do not come to conclusions about anything I say until you hear me out fully. Hear me out first. Ask all the questions you need to ask. 
then at the end of the day, once you've once you've milked me of every question and all the information you can get from me, then you can judge. Then judge. Otherwise, don't make a fool of yourself. Please don't. Listen first. Listen. Be, ho- be humble and listen. Because I know there's a lot of things out there, a lot of people out there. You can get a, uh, some of this stuff you might be offended at. And it's not my intention to offend anybody, but rather to bless you actually with with what i've seen because i believe the truth always wins the truth always wins i've had some people say to me oh but but you know if you if you're going to say uh like not too long ago like if you're going to say something well first of all it's paul now it's john now 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 what like you're pretty soon you're going to be writing the whole entire bible that's really a rash way of, I mean, that's a rash judgment because you don't know, <laughs> you don't know any of the points that I have, that I, the reason why I say, you don't know that, no, it's not progress. I, I, we just want the truth because some people say, well, oh, you know, pretty soon you're going to be, you know, denying this and denying that and all this kind of stuff. My point is this, if we deny anything, if I deny anything, it doesn't matter. What I accept or what I deny does not matter. Only the truth matters. If you really are a truth seeker, what doesn't matter? I'm sorry. If it goes against your traditions or your doctrine or your denomination, you have to make a choice. It's either you accept your denominational doctrine or you accept the truth. That's where it lies. That's where it lies. Okay. Having said that, let's talk about the Gospel of John. Okay, so first of all, the dating of the of the Gospel of John it's it's it is a big deal. There are lots of questions in regards to the dating of of the Gospel of John. The oldest the oldest manuscript we have of the Gospel of John is a manuscript that's called P52, P52, okay? P52 is just a little fragment of the Gospel of John with just seven lines on it, and it only covers a matter of just five verses or so. It's not much, but it's the oldest existing manuscript of the Gospel of John. And the dating of this manuscript of P52 has been an, has been an object. It, it's been a, it's been quite debatable. It's been quite contentious. Some of the some people would date it around the middle of the second century. Some would date it even to the late second century, or even later. Okay, that's the earliest we have. The second. The second earliest would be the uh, P90, and that is uh, older than that, okay? The way they date it is uh, they do different ways of dating it, including what they call paleographic dating, just seeing how the, the letters have been written in, in what ages, what times, you know, certain writing styles are compared within certain centuries. So they figure the second century, and scholars are debatable about that. So 
Um, I'm not going to focus too much on that. It's not really where all of the evidence lies. One thing that really, really sticks out, and that is the fact that Polycarp, Polycarp is the disciple of John. Polycarp is the disciple of John. Polycarp wrote his own letters. You can see them. You can see his letter uh, in the Antonician Fathers volumes, okay? Polycarp to the Philippians. Now, Polycarp quotes a lot of other apostles. And let me just, let me give you guys something. I'm just going to pull something up here. And hang in there for a second, because this is very interesting. Remember, Polycarp is John's disciple, John's student. John trained Polycarp. So, keep that in mind. This is very, very important to understand the dating of this. Polycarp, I am reading from a website called isjesusalive.com, Polycarp, early use of the New Testament. Okay, so they say that Polycarp was born in about 70 AD. So, I mean, you know, he missed Yeshua. Um, he was martyred at the age of 86. But his his letter to the church of at Philippi, is dated anywhere between 140 AD. Key piece of evidence right there, okay? Key piece of evidence. So around the mid-2nd century, early to mid, okay? Some people say it's like 125, 135, 140 AD. Okay, so in his letter, in his writings, Polycarp quotes Matthew four times, Mark once, Luke once. He, he quotes the book of Acts twice, the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Hebrews, 1 Peter, 1, 1 John, and 3 John. Where is the gospel of John? Where is the gospel of John? Polycarp is the disciple of John. And this is, you know, approaching mid-second century at this point in time. Think about it for a moment. Just think about it for a moment. If the gospel of John existed... When Polycarp wrote this in, again, 125, 140 AD, and it should have existed by that time if it was written by the disciple John, okay? Otherwise, John would have been long gone, okay? So if it existed at 125 AD, even at 110 AD, let alone 148. Even if it existed, and Polycarp, we know, was a disciple of John, why didn't he mention John at all? Why didn't he mention the Gospel of John at all? Why didn't he quote from it at all? I mean, this is a question that we must ask ourselves. You'd think, I mean, just 
again, beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, you can you can dance around anything, you can you can you can reconcile anything, you can you can make up all kinds of excuses, you can deny the evidence, but the evidence seems to show that the Gospel of John either A was not accepted or B did not exist at that time. Polycarp was one of the major early church leaders, church fathers. He quoted Matthew, he quoted Mark, he quoted, he, he quoted Luke. Where's John? Where's John? You would think a disciple of John. John was his spiritual father, so to speak. John was his rabbi, his teacher. John was the man. He it was his mentor. He was a spiritual descendant of John. He was a disciple, a student of John. You would think. If the, if the Gospel of John existed, Polycarp would have been quoting the Gospel of John all the time. Hey, this is, this is the writing of my mentor, my leader, my teacher, John. John said this. John, John said the other thing. Nothing. Silence about the Gospel of John. That's a, that's a great piece of evidence there that either the Gospel of John did not exist at that point in time, or if it did, it just wasn't accepted. And it probably, if, if that's the case, it wouldn't be accepted because it wasn't from John. And we're going to get into that. That's another point, but we're going to get, to, we're going to get into that in just a moment. That's like... Polycarp not quoting the Gospel of John is like Peter, James, and John never, never, ever talking about Jesus, never quoting Jesus at all. There's something wrong with the picture. Something wrong with the picture. Okay. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing is this as well. Justin Martyr also existed in the, in the second century. Now, he was the first one to allude to the same kind of doctrine that John, the Gospel of John has, like the word, uh, you know, in the beginning was the, like the word and the word became flesh and this kind of thing. Justin Martyr alluded to that, that idea, but never mentioned John either and never mentioned the, the Gospel of John either. Why not? Why not? Same with any of the other church leaders at that time. They quoted all kinds of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and the letters of Paul, but did not quote John. Why? Why? Polycarp is the, is the most striking example of that. Okay. So... I mentioned just a moment ago about a different author. Do not assume that the Gospel of John was written by the disciple John. Do not just assume it just, be, just because it's got the title Gospel of John. The original book, the Gospel of John, did not have a title. The title was, was written in there later by 
an unknown scribe way down the line. Decades, perhaps even centuries after the fact, someone put in their gospel of John. Somebody thought it was John. Which John, if it was John, if, if, the, if the author's name was John, which John is another whole question. But we do have evidence of multiple authors. Multiple authors. Yes, multiple authors. A good example of that, I'll show you, is John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Uh, let's just go there. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, the very famous, the very famous uh, story of the woman that was ca caught in the act of adultery. John chapter 8. Actually, it begins uh, John chapter 7, verse 53, I believe it is, if I can remember correctly. Um, okay. So, the whole, the whole story, the whole of the woman caught in the act of adultery. We have a lot of evidence that that entire narrative was not written by John. And the reason being is because that particular passage, uh, let me just pull it up here. John chapter 7, the last part of John chapter 7. And I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of your Bibles would say this if you check out the footnotes in, in a lot of your Bibles. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading the footnotes here from the blueletterbible.org, and I just want to show you guys over there on, on YouTube. And those of you on TikTok, if you're listening, you can, I'm sorry, I can't really, on YouTube I share my screen, so... Um, TikTok does not give me that that functionality, but on Blue Letter Bible, and you'll you'll find a, a lot of Bibles have this in there. It says here the earliest manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have. Okay, <laughs> again, let's let's not miss anything here. First of all, earliest manuscripts and many other ancient witnesses do not have John chapter seven verse fifty three all the way through to eight John chapter eight verse eleven. So, um, John chapter seven verse fifty three is the last verse of the, of the um, that chapter, and it says they all went home. And then the uh, John chapter eight is the whole story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. The oldest Bible known to man, the oldest Bible in existence today, is the Codex Sinaiticus. Bible does not have John chapter 7 verse 53 all the way through to John chapter 8 verse 11. And that that Bible is like some 300 some odd years after the that that Bible was is dated to the 4th century. In fact, no we have we have absolutely no manuscript 
within the first 300 years that has that portion of scripture in it. No manuscript dated, you know, previous to the fourth century, other ancient witnesses, it's not found in there at all. So what does that mean? Well, the evidence, I mean, hey, we got to, again, you got to come to the table with the evidence, right? The ev- all the evidence we have in the world today, in the, in, the, in the world of scholarship, biblical scholarship, all the evidence we have would give us a good reason to believe that that whole entire portion of the book of John was added some 300 to 400 years after the fact perhaps even later. How can we say that? Because none of the none of the copies of John during those first 400 years has that story in it. It just shows up like three, 400 years after the fact. I don't know how else. Uh, let me just tell you the way, let me just tell you I'll just tell you exactly like it is. With all the evidence we have, it looks like that entire portion of Scripture, those 12 verses, is nothing but a forgery. Someone who somehow slipped that story in there. And it wasn't, quote-unquote, John that did that. And anybody that would dare, anybody that would dare say any different, I would say, well, show me the evidence. Show me something from the second century or even the first century that has that story in it. It's not there. What does that tell you? It tells you this there was there's some some serious tampering going on here. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the entire, I'm not saying throughout the book of John. I think it's, I think a lot of the information in the book of John is information that we need to know and study and take into consideration all that, all that stuff. Every Christian should have the book of John in their library, no doubt about it. But on the other hand, we need to look at the evidence. We need to use our God given minds. And say, hey, <laughs> for example, I, hey, if if I wrote a document and 400 years from now, all of a sudden there was another story that's been slipped into my to my to my book, everybody would say, hey, pff, obviously somebody was been was been tampering with Christopher's book, and someone actually forged that as if Christopher actually wrote it, but he didn't. The Evidence is clear. He didn't write it. There's nothing in the first 400 years after he wrote it. It's it's not even close to his time. And that's the way it is with this portion of Scripture. We have a very similar kind of thing that happened in the book of Mark, and that's that's a totally different topic, the book of Mark. Those of you who know me, you know what I say about the accuracy of the Gospels. I say that Matthew is the most accurate. Luke is under that. And Mark is the least of the synoptic Gospels, and John is under that. And we're talking about John tonight. Perhaps another day we'll talk about Mark. 
but this is something else. John has something else. Um, so we have that. Plus, we have something else that would lead a lot of people to say that not only was John chapter 7, verses 53, all the way through to John chapter 8, verse 11, added, but also the entire last chapter of John, chapter 21, was added by another author. Other than John, that is. I don't know if it's the same author that added this extra little portion in there or not. I don't know if anybody can actually even tell you. But let me let me just show you what I'm talking about. John chapter 20. Let's go there. John chapter 20. This is the this is the second last chapter. Okay? And I'm going to read this. Okay, so John chapter 20. Uh, just let me just pull this up here for you guys to read it. John chapter 20. Uh, just Let's just quickly go over verses 24 through to the end of that, this chapter. Just, just as a summary, John chapter 20, verse 24 uh, talks about, you know, the whole thing about doubting Thomas, the whole, the whole, you know, it comes in and, you know, this is after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. And now he appears to his uh, disciples and, Thomas is doubting, right? So we got the, the doubting Thomas story here. John chapter 20, verse 24, um, all the way through till verse 29. And then we have why this gospel was written, okay? And that is John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Okay, so before I read this, I'm going to read this, but th just think with me for a moment. Think with me for a moment. Most people and most scholars would say that this is evidence that this is the last, this is the end of the original gospel of quote unquote John. Okay. And the reason why is because of the way it sums everything up and it kind of is like this is the end. Listen, listen to this. I'll read this and think about this. Okay, it sounds like you know this would be the end of the, this is the end of the Gospel of John. In fact, people who don't really know the Gospel of John really, really well, it'd be easy to say this is the end. Verse thirty. So then, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of of the disciples, which are not written in the book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, period. So that is basically kind of like you, you, you hear the heart and the spirit of what's being written here. Like this is the reason why this is written. It's like the, the end of the book. So what it sounds like, the end of the book. All this stuff, many times, like, you know, we're, it's like, again, let me... Please, please hear me out here. It's the spirit, the the you know the whole the whole flow of this is okay. We're wrapping this up. Jesus, Jesus did many other signs, and he did this to show you that he was the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may believe in his name. Period. Okay, 
the purpose, again, it's the purpose, why this gospel is written. It's the purpose. It's something that you would write at the end of the book. Then in the next chapter, we have all of a sudden, after these things, Jesus revealed him again to the disciples. And then it goes on to another whole, whole you know, a whole long uh, discourse of, of all kinds of other different things that he did. Okay? All kinds of other things that he did here. You know, approaching Peter, uh, all this kind of thing. So it's a long thing. And then again, at the, at the end here, it's almost like something, again, they're wrapping it up, saying, but there are also many other things that Jesus did. Again, this is just as very much like the previous chapter where it's wrapping it up saying there are other things that Jesus did. Uh, if they're written in detail, I would expect that the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Okay. So, and then that's the end. So this would, this, this leads many scholars to believe that John chapter 21 was added after the fact by someone else years down the road, perhaps even centuries down the road. Now, again, I can't really do this justice because when you read through the book of John, you'll see what I mean. If you read through it and you get the you get the flow of it, once you come to the end of John chapter 20, it's like, okay, that's the end. It's like, whoa, whoa, 21, it just picks up again. And it's like it's it's an addition to, to John, the last chapter. Okay, so also. We have the idea that some scholars believe that the whole prologue of the book of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, you know, all that, the whole thing uh, from John chapter 1, verse 1 to John chapter 1, verse 18, the first 18 verses, a lot of scholars believe. And again, without getting into too much detail. And I think before you guys make a judgment, you guys should look it up again. Like I said, reduce, do your own research, do your own thinking, use your own mind. Don't be fast. Don't, don't be hasty to jump to defense of what you've always believed in spite of Seek the truth. Okay. John chapter eight, or excuse me, John chapter one, verses one to 18 Many scholars believe that that was also added later by another author. Now, and then there's the question of John chapter 3, verse 16. And this is kind of like just a, a little side note. But how can you talk about the Gospel of John without talking about the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the thing. It's the most famous, the most quoted verse in, in the whole entire Bible. But yet, scholars and Bible translators, by the way, not just the scholars, but the translators themselves and a lot of Christian leaders do not know who actually said it. Like, this is shocking. This is shocking. A lot of, for example, I don't know how many of you have red letter Bibles, okay, where the, where the words of Jesus are in red. 
in I believe it's the you know some of the some of the Bibles that we have uh, John three sixteen in red as if Jesus spoke that, but other Bibles trust it's what I'm telling you is the truth. Okay, other Bibles there are some other translations and some other Bibles they have John three sixteen in black. Why? Because people, the scholars and translators and Bible publishers do not know. They do not know who actually even said it. Is it the narrator? Is it, quote unquote, John himself? Is it Jesus? Where did the quote end when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus? Nobody knows. The most famous. Nobody knows. It's the verse that's shouted from the housetops and is put on, you know, everything. You know, the uh, lot of different evangelical, um, you know, tracks or you know, all these kind of things. John three sixteen, spoken, shouted from the housetops. Another little rabbit trail when it comes to John three sixteen. I find it very interesting that John three sixteen is the most famous, the most quoted, the most publicly cited verse in all of the Bible. Yet, according to John, the Gospel of John, that, that verse or that saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, was only spoken once, or not spoken, but narrated once. If it was Jesus that spoke it, if... If it was Jesus that spoke it, he spoke it once to one person in the dark. He didn't go around preaching John 3.16 like everybody thinks that he, um, that they, like they do today. The fact that people go around quoting John 3.16 the way they do today is really out of context to what the Bible actually says, to what even the, the Gospel of John actually puts it. The context is, it's... If it was spoken by Jesus, if it was spoken by Jesus, it was spoken to one guy at night, once. That's it. But again, nobody knows. Was John 3.16 spoken by Jesus or was it the actual narrator or was it John, quote unquote John, who actually put that in there? Keep in mind that the author of John Let's talk about the authorship of John for a minute. Because I say, quote unquote, John. And I say that because even today, there are arguments amongst a lot of very, very knowledgeable Christian scholars as to who even the author is. It's important to know who the author is. It's important to know who the author is. You know, somebody said, "Well, it, 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 the author is not that important as long as the as long as the um, uh, the contents are in line with the rest of the Word of God." Well, no, because the author gives any additional information, the credibility for it to be there. It can't just be Joe Blow or some. It can't be just some guy from. I mean. If, if some guy from, you know, Central America wrote that without ever seeing Jesus ever in, in the first century or second century, I mean, what credibility would that person have seeing that they don't have the experience? 
So you need to know the author. Somebody says, well, yeah, but the as long as it's not in, in contrary to the rest of Scripture. Well, I mean, you can anybody can write a book that has a lot of false things in it that's not really directly contrary to any of the Scripture. You know what I mean? Like you, you can write a book and you can say in the book, well, you know, a microwave has, um, you know, does any radiation coming from it at all. A microwave does not have any radiation, does not operate on radiation, but you can, you can have it surrounded by, by other things from Scripture. It doesn't contradict Scripture. Yeah, but it's false. What it says is false. And if the author of a book wrote everything that that just parented what other scriptures said, why do you even need the book? So the author is very, very important. And in this case, the Gospel of John, the author does not, I emphasize, not identify himself. So a lot of people, they think that it could be just... John, the son of Zebedee, it could be John the Elder, it could be John of Patmos, it could be any other John, or maybe it's not even John at all. Because who even, who even said it was John? And how do they know it was John? Somebody po co um, points to Papias, saying that Papias, you know, uh, identified John as the author of the gospel. No, he didn't. He never said that John was the author author of the gospel. And like 200 years after the fact, we have Eusebius who cites Papias. And again, we have, we have people like this that mentions Matthew, Mark, but does not mention John. Why not? And then someone would say, well, it's the book of John because it says the because it says the one whom Jesus loved. And the early church leaders, the early church fathers, have identified the quote unquote one whom Jesus loved as being John. Okay. But the gospel of John doesn't say that he is the one whom Jesus loved. He just quotes it as the one whom Jesus loved. And so some people think, well, Oh, well, John was just being humble. He was just, instead of saying, I, he just said, the one whom Jesus loved. Instead of, instead of identifying himself. But that doesn't, that doesn't fly either. Because he, he refers to himself, he refers to himself in, in, the, in the third person. But then, as we just read earlier, um, he talks in other places like as if it's, Speaking of the first person. There's a second here. So, I mean, like, wait, it says that many other things. Do... 
we know that, the, in, in, like, for example, in what we just read there, John chapter 21. Let me just show you guys again. John chapter 21, verse 24. The disciple who testifying about these things, again, a lot of people believe that John chapter 21, and I think they have good reason to believe it, written by the same person who wrote John chapter 20. It looks like an addition. This is the disciple who, who is testifying about these things and who wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. It sounds like quite a dumpster fire of different, like first person, third person kind of language here. And then, and then he speaks in person here. I expect that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. So why would they? Why would the author here be speaking I and we many times throughout the the, the book of John? And then other times, the, 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 the disciple whom Jesus loved, as if it's a third person, something else. So that leads to a lot of different questions. Who actually was the author of John? And, and again, many people believe that, and I think they have good reason to believe that there were, there were multiple authors. So... The best plausible date for dating John. Now, again, who knows for sure? But it seems to be at least late second century, which would mean John, the disciple who wrote it. And then we have the we have the the fact that the, the gospel of John. Nine mod percent of the Gospel of John, 93%, 90-93% of the Gospel of John is not found in any of the other Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are what they call the synoptic Gospels. Why do they call them synoptic? Because they all talk of pretty much the same thing. They have the same kind of chronology. Um, they have the same time frame, the same events that happen much. I mean, there's some discrepancies here and there, but pretty much they're very much alike. Whereas the Gospel of John is very not like any of the others. Why? Why? In fact, the synoptics fit together, but the book of John does not fit together with the synoptics. With rare exception, the narrative doesn't match up, and the order of the events do not match up. It is not parallel. And the way that Yeshua is presented in the Gospel of John is completely different than the way that he's, I mean, perhaps not completely different. Let me just, let me just let me just restate that the way he's presented is very very different than he is in the synoptics. In the synoptics, we have Yeshua that's going around. He's very healing. He's you know he's doing all these things. He's telling people, do not tell anybody that you know. Just shh, don't tell anybody that you know. He's 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 being very very low key throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Whereas John, <laughs> we have Yeshua bursting onto the scene and he's like, well, you know, I am, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I am everything. I, I am this. I am that. I, I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I mean, all these things. Why didn't Matthew, Mark, or Luke ever mention those things? Keep in mind, the Gospel of John was written long after Matthew, Mark, and Luke was written. So I can just hear someone say, well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they didn't put it in there because they already knew that John had it in it. No, that's not the way it goes. Not the way it went. John, the Gospel of John was written decades, at least. Perhaps even a century, depending on what scholar you go by, but decades after the fact. The Gospels, okay, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John are supposed to be biographies of, of Jesus, right? They are, quote-unquote, and again, there's, there's the whole idea of, did Matthew actually write Matthew? And who was Matthew? And Mark write Mark? And who was Mark? Was he, I mean, he wasn't a disciple of Jesus. How can he even have the authority? And Luke, well, he, all these, but anyway. The idea is we have, we have four guys who <laughs> should be, let me just say, should be eyewitnesses sit down and write an account of what they have seen or heard about Jesus. Apparently, Matthew, Mark, and Luke either A, did not know, or B, did not think it was important to write anything that John wrote about Jesus. Remember, John wrote all these things that Jesus said, I am, that I, you know, before I was, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. In fact, I believe John said, I am the light of the world. And in the synoptics, Jesus said to his church, you are the light of the world. But that's another story. I mean, there's so much going on like in, in John. In, in the synoptics, Jesus said that John the Baptist is Elijah, in the synoptics, in the book of John, in the gospel of John, they asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? He said, what's up with that? What's up with that? Um, I mean, there's so much to cover here, so much to cover. We have the story of uh, where do I start? It's like, again, sometimes I feel like a little boy in a candy shop. Like, where do I start? There's a lot. Hopefully, if nothing else, this will get you to think. And there's nothing wrong with thinking. God gave you a brain. He gave you logic. He, he is the God of logic. He's the God of knowledge. He's the God of intellect. There's nobody is 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 that has more intellect than God, okay? So we need to use what God has given us. There's the very strange thing about John chapter 14 and going into John 15. And this is almost funny. I say almost funny because if it wasn't so serious, I mean, it's funny in a way, but let me, let me just show you guys, okay? And again, this goes to show that it's either something was added here or it's just way out of chronological order. 
Okay. So John chapter 14. Uh, just give me a second. John chapter 14. I'm going to start with. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. John chapter 14. Let's start with verse 25. Share my screen for those of you over there on YouTube. John chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus is speaking here. These things I have spoken to you while remaining with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. You heard that I said to you, I am going away, for I am coming to you. And, and, excuse me, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you. Okay, here we are. Here we are. Okay. Listen to this. Listen to this, people. Listen. Jesus says, I will not speak much more with, with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in regard to me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly the, as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let's go from here. Okay? So he just says, I'm not going to tell him, I'm not going to say much more to you. Let's go. And then the very next chapter we have the longest discourse. We have the longest, the longest speech that, that Jesus ever gives us in any of the Gospels. John chapter 15, John chapter 16. I mean, it goes on. And John chapter 17, it's like the longest. Jesus, I thought you were just, I thought you just said, let's, we're not, you know, I'm not going to say any more to you. Let's go. And then it's like, it's like turns around and just, has a seat and gives everybody the longest sermon ever. There's lots of stuff like this. There's lots of stuff like this. And again, if you compare the little bit that's in John that is also in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find that it's way out of order. It's way out of order. It's almost like John is like a collage of different things that someone just threw this in here, threw that in there. It's not chronological. So all these things that Jesus said in John, especially how he presented himself, seems to be very, very different than what he said in the in the synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark and Luke. Very very different. Before I get on before I go too much further here, those of you who are on TikTok, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to shut this down and go specifically solely on YouTube. So if you want to continue listening, uh, go on over to YouTube, look me up, it's Christopher Enoch. Christopher Enoch on YouTube. You'll see me there live right now, okay? I'm going to have to shut this down. I'm sorry, guys, but hopefully I'll see you guys over there on YouTube. I'm streaming over there as well. Blessings. See you in a minute. Okay.
So any of these any of these things that Jesus said about himself. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the truth. I'm all this stuff. Why didn't Matthew, Mark, and Luke say anything about that at all? Nothing. Not even one. Not even one of those sayings is in there. Why not? Did they all forget? Were they not there? Did they not hear about it? They were closer. They were closer to the to the time when Jesus was alive, as opposed to the book of John that was written way later. Did they not consider it worthy to be to be written? So why? The synoptics we have Jesus who who is very like very low key. Shh, don't tell anybody what I did to you. Don't or don't tell me don't tell anybody how you got healed or or this and that and all this stuff. You know, just keep keep things quiet. Whereas in John, he is very boisterous and telling everybody that he is the great I am. In the synoptics, we have the Eucharist. When Yeshua says, This is this is the blood of my this is the blood of the new covenant in John, that's not even there. Not there. Why? Not there. We have the, the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection, of course, but that's not there. When Jesus said, This bread is is my body, that's not there. The story of the woman that anointed Jesus' feet is in is in the Synoptic Gospels. It's not in John. Why? We have other other things as well. John chapter one verse thirty five. Let me show you this one. John chapter one verse thirty five. Just give me a second here. I'm going to pull this up. Okay. You know what I should do? I should put this side by side with um, with another gospel. Uh, just give me a second here. I should put this side by side. Okay, so we have John chapter 1, verse 35, as opposed to Matthew chapter 16. Okay. Let me just share my screen here. I got to share, excuse me. Okay. Okay, share the screen. On the left-hand side, you got John chapter one. Okay, on the on the right-hand side, you have uh, we have John or Matthew chapter sixteen. Uh, just give me a second. Oh, just a second here. Um. 
Okay. So John chapter 1, verse 35. Let me just make this a little bit smaller so you can see it. John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. By the way, this, this is not in, in, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke either. The whole, the whole idea of Jesus being the Lamb of God is not there. Again, I mean, there's so much, guys. There's so much. We can talk about it for a long time. Why? Why isn't Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Uh, again, they were, that was the only, they, books were, were in circulation long before John. Why, they didn't seem it, they didn't know about it. If it, if, it, if it happened, if they did know about it, they thought it wasn't worthy to be mentioned. Verse 37, and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Then said, uh, they said to him, Rabbi, which, trans, which, which translates means uh, teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. One of the two who, uh, who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Okay? So the, here we have... Jesus at the scene with John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. And then Andrew decides to follow Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, what are you seeking? Um, okay, and so anyway, Andrew goes to find his brother Simon and tells his brother Simon that he found the Christ or the Messiah. So then we have the story in Matthew chapter 16 of Peter's confession that 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 uh, Jesus is the Christ, right? So Jesus said, you know, uh, who do people say that the Son of Man is, right? And so Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, okay? So it's like he he got that revelation according to Matthew that, that you're Christ, okay? Then Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, son of Jonah, um, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Oh, wait a second. Flesh and blood did not reveal to you that I am the Messiah? No flesh and blood told you that I am the Messiah, but my Father who is in heaven. But in John, we have his brother Andrew telling him that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Okay, there's lots of stuff like this, lots and lots of stuff like this. Uh, there's another thing, too, uh, if I can pull this up just in a minute here. There's another one. Um, so, again, that, that same passage...
That same passage in John chapter 1 is spoken of in also in uh, let's see here. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Matthew chapter 4, talking about the calling of, of uh, Andrew and Peter. Okay, let me just see here. Give me a second. Okay. So what we, what we just read here in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42, again, we have Andrew, right, uh, who was with John the Baptist. He saw what John the Baptist said about Jesus, and Andrew decided to follow Jesus. And so then Andrew went to get his, his uh, brother Peter, and they both decided to follow Jesus. We have a completely different story in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. Okay, so this is a completely different scene. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people, or fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Okay, so you see two different accounts here. Two different accounts. Obviously, there's completely different stories. What's coming up here? Um, we have in the Synoptic Gospels, Yeshua was reluctant, was reluctant to be to go to the cross. You know. Father, take this cup from me. I don't, you know, basically I don't want to do this. Whereas in the, the Gospel of John, we have him willingly saying, I am, I'm here. You know, like, you know, um, the story of when they come to arrest the Jesus, uh, come to arrest Jesus, and they said, Jesus said, Who you seek? And in um, and they said Jesus, and Jesus said, I am, and the soldiers fell down. Um, very different accounts. Uh, this is not to mention also that in in the in the synoptic gospels we have um, different chronology and different days on which Jesus was crucified. Um, let me just compare a few more things here to you guys, and I'll, then I'll get to your comments in just a minute. Again, if you want to um, direct a comment specifically to me, um, make sure you put the at Christopher in the comment. Um, John chapter, let's, let's do a little bit. We'll do a little bit more. We'll do a little bit more comparing here. Um Okay, let's do a little bit more comparing before we get into before I get into answering your, your questions. Okay, so this is John chapter 20 versus Matthew chapter 28. Okay, so John chapter 20. 
Matthew, actually, let's start on the right side here. Let's start with Matthew chapter 28. Okay, so I'm going to read it a little bit on the slower side just so we can get, we, we understand exactly the narrative that Matthew has here. So this is the resurrection, the, the story of the resurrection. Or I should say Mary Magdalene actually coming to the tomb after the resurrection, to be more specific. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, okay, so this is as the light, of course, you know, it was it was getting it was getting daylight, it began to dawn towards the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Compare that with John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, okay, same same day for that anyway, uh, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the, the stone already removed from the tomb. But here it says, on the right side, Matthew, it says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred and for an for the and excuse me for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. Okay, so this sounds like as if Mary Magdalene Mary. Uh, as, as they came to the tomb, it sounds like that's when this severe earthquake happened and, and the stone was rolled back. And, you know, we have the the angel that stood, uh, excuse me, sat on the stone and, uh, it, you know, describes the appearance here. Whereas over here, it's like the stone was already removed from the tomb when they got there. There's no, there was no, um, you know, dra dramatic, uh, you know, rolling away of the stone. In, in John. But let's continue. And the angel said to the woman, or to the women, excuse me, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and, and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice. And they came, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Okay. Okay, so that's, again, let's quick, just quick, just as a recap here. In Matthew, they came at the break of dawn. The, the angel came, the earthquake happened, rolled the stone away. Um, the angel tried to comfort the women. Um, Jesus is not here, right? He's not here for he has risen. Clearly told them. That Jesus is risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying, and go and tell his disciples he was risen from the dead, and he was uh, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And so then later on, so then as they went, Jesus met them, and said, "Rejoice." 
And they came, they worshiped him and all this stuff. Don't be afraid. You know, go tell my brothers, yada, yada, yada. So, but over here in John, okay, first of all, it's it's like Mary Magdalene came to early to the tomb while it was still dark and the stone was already removed. Uh, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other uh, disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. Um, uh, excuse me, didn't the angel tell you that he has risen just as he said? And didn't you just meet him on the way? Why do you tell the disciples over here in John that they stole Jesus? They stole his body, basically, from the tomb. Well, what's up with that? What's up with that? So, and we got other things too. Passover, for example. Let's just check out Passover. We're going to compare Mark chapter 14. With, well, we got John chapter 13. Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 18. I would not do it justice if I didn't show you guys this. John, uh, well, again, let's start with Mark instead of John. Okay, so the story goes, um, on the first day of unleavened bread, so this is the Passover, right? in the footnotes, we have Passover week, okay? On the first day, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, uh, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Obviously, he's eating the Passover here. He's preparing to eat the Passover. And and, he's, and he himself will show you a large upstairs room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples left and came to the city and found everything just as he had told them and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, the one who is eating with me. Okay, so then it goes on with that narrative as well. Um. Luke chapter 22. So here, of course, we have, um, again, back to uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 12. It's, set, it's basically on the first day of the, of the Passover, where Jesus is eating Passover. Over here on uh, John chapter 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during the supper, and during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot the sign, 
the son of Simon to betray him. Okay, so this is before the Passover. This is on the Passover, on the, at Passover, the, pa- the first day of Passover. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 8 as well. Compare that with, uh, first of all, just before we go there, let's go to John chapter, this is the same chapter, chapter 13. Um, Okay. Excuse me for a second. Okay. Um, just a second here. Verse 27, after Satan, uh, Satan then entered him, therefore Jesus said to him, what you are doing, do quickly. Now none of, these, none of those reclining at the table knew what, for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were assuming since Judas kept the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we need for the feast or else that he was, give, he was to give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he, uh, he left immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am still with you a little longer. Uh, you will look for me just as I said to the Jews, now I, I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going. You cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Okay. Um, So this whole narrative happened at a completely different day as opposed to what we read in Mark chapter 14 and in Luke, by the way. Let's just go to Luke for a second. Luke chapter 22. Verse 8, and so Jesus said to Peter and John, uh, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Okay. So in John... Jesus died the day before Passover. In John chapter 19, verses 14 and 15. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. This is the day before. 
It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Look, your king. And they shouted, Away with him, away with him. Jesus said, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king except Caesar. Uh, so then they handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore went out carrying his own cross. So this, again, so this happened the day before. This happened before Passover. Whereas in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus is crucified on Passover. So there's a lot, there's a lot of questions here. Um, and I, I know that there are different ways of beating around the bush. There's different ways of reconciling it. There's different ways of denying the evidence that you see right in front of you. Right in front of you. Evidence that Jesus ate the Last Supper, so to speak, on different days in the in the Gospel of John, as opposed to the Synoptics. He was crucified on a different day in the Gospel of John, as opposed to the Synoptics. See, the Synoptics are in agreement on these things, not the Gospel of John. And what happened again with Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Mary, as you see, quite a bit different, quite a bit different. And I know you can you can deny it, you can run around it, you can reconcile it, and people say, "Well, John was going by the Roman the Roman calendar, while this all the other ones were going by the Jewish calendar, or something, whatever." Like, okay, again, you you can you can make up excuses, but what's the evidence? What what what's the grounds that you say that on? I know some people would say that. Well, he was just going by a different calendar. Um, well, how come he was going on the different calendar? When it comes to the Last Supper in, in the in the crucifixion, but not for the not for the resurrection, why? On the res the resurrection was the same day, according to John with John and the rest of the synoptics, but not the crucifixion and not the Last Supper. So you're saying that John is just kind of juggling different calendars to, all together in one, you know, in 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 one narrative. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I don't see any evidence that John was going by the Roman calendar and the other ones were going by a different calendar. I don't see any evidence of that at all. I do see evidence that John was written a lot later, a lot later than the rest of the, the other synoptics. And it's a lot different, a lot different <laughs> in many ways. Um, let me see here. Some people believe, now this is something that I think that should be brought to you guys' attention as well. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Some people believe, now I'm not really telling you, I'm not making a, a statement of a fact here, okay? But I'm just letting you guys know. That some people believe some scholars believe actually that John and Peter um, did not write any of the books of the New Testament. Now, and let me let me just say this too. I want to make this very clear. When I'm talking about John or the Gospel of John, I'm not talking about first. It's got nothing to do with First John, Second John, Third John, and that kind of thing. Nothing to do with that. Okay. For all we know, that could be a completely different author. Could be a completely different author. But Acts chapter four verse thirteen is something that should be brought to your guys to to your attention. 
Um, let me just pull this up here. Okay. Um, give me a second. I can share the screen. And again, I cannot cover everything. I certainly cannot cover everything in, in this video. I'm going to cover just a few more points, and then I'm going to go to your, your, um, the live chat and see what's going on in there. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is the reason. And, and again, I'm not making a statement of fact. I'm just putting this out on the table. I'm, I'm just so everyone, all of you guys know this is what's out there. Some people believe that the, that the, the John, John the disciple did not write that because he could not write that because he didn't have the education to write that. Let me show you what, what, the, what they say. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they observed that the boldness of Peter and John and, and realized that, that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Okay, so the idea here is that, and, you know, again, some scholars believe that First John wasn't, or First Peter was not written by Peter too, although some, they, there are different um, opinions about that, different views on that. But for the most part, if not all credible scholars agree that Second Peter was certainly not written by Peter. Some say Second Peter was not written by Peter, but First Peter was, and others say both First and Second Peter was not written. Uh, and this is one of the this is one of the points that they bring up. One of the points, not the only, but one of the points. But when it comes to John, okay, in the original. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, though they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, agramatos, which means literally they were illiterate. They were illiterate, unlearned. A grammatos. Uh, grammatos actually means you're able to uh, gra grammatos is comes from a root a word that's a root word that we get a word grammar from. The, you know the ability is um, gram. This kind of thing that we see in the Greek is talking about writing. So the a in front of it is like the negative that they cannot write. Basically, it literally means that. Literally unlettered or illiterate, unlearned. Okay. Also, um, also, not not just agramatos, but also untrained, which is looks like uh, this word here looks like idi idiot idiotes. I think this would probably be the very related to the English word that we get. <laughs> I don't even want to say it, but you see what it is a word that's uh, that's similar to this word in our English language. Um, but according to the New Testament, both Peter and John were both um, agramatos. If you want to say it's illiterate or unlettered, if you take that literally, it means they couldn't write. Um, you can take that figuratively as well, which I think that could be a possibility. Um, so this word means that it, it was in, in the New Testament, it says here, uh, unlearned, illiterate, again, illiterate. Um, man as opposed to the learned and educated. Keep in mind that 
historically speaking, they say around those days, very, very few people were, were able to read and write back in those days. So that's another reason why they think that um, John, the disciple, based upon uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, uh, probably was not the author of the book of John. Now, a couple others, just a couple. Bear with me here. John chapter 8, verse... Let me, let me just pull up... Uh, hardly I pull up um, Bible Gateway, but let me just pull up Bible Gateway. It's just a little bit easier to show you guys these particular um, things here. So the Bible Gateway, I'm going to look up um, John chapter 8. Now, some people say that the that the Gospel of John um, is written in a way that makes Yeshua look not Jewish, as if he was a, like a, a Greek or Gentile. Like it kind of strips him of his Jewishness. And let me show you why they why they say that. John chapter eight verse seventeen and chapter ten verse thirty four. Jesus is speaking. Uh, to a group of other to a group of Jews, and, and he says, "It is also written in your law, your law, that the testimony of two men is true." And again, in John ten thirty four, Jesus answered them, "Is it not written in your law?" Okay. Now I know this is people can say, "Yeah, it was their law, but it was also Jesus' law too." But again, the idea you look at the way. It is, it is portrayed here as if Jesus was not part of, of the Jews. And again, if you see church, if you know church history, unfortunately, the more time goes on from the days of Jesus, from the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the more as years go by, especially after the original 12 disciples pass away, the more and more Jesus becomes Unjew, un-Jewish, if you might. The more and more the church has stripped Jesus of, of his Jewishness. So we see this reflected in the Gospel of John. If the Gospel of John is as young as a lot of scholars say it is, such as the late second century, which in that case would never be, it would not have been the disciple John who wrote it. Um, and and that, that makes sense. That's, that's why Polycarp didn't mention it at all. You know, and that's why it has the tones of the kind of like a, the tones of stripping Jesus of his Jewishness, where Jesus is speaking to the Jews, your law, not my law, but your law. Uh, so, we have a lot of stuff. This is, this is not even to mention the, um, the questions that, that, that I got in the past several weeks in regards to the book of John, the gospel of John, like for example, where Jesus said, no man has ever seen the father. No man. It's like, well, how can you say that? Hasn't, there's lots of people that says in the scriptures where it has seen God. Um, Jacob, we have Moses, uh, to name a few. Um, so different, so, so different. The synoptics, Jesus teaches, uh, Jesus 
uh, Yeshua's teachings in the synoptics are like short sayings. Whereas in John, it's long discourses of just going on, long discourses. Very, very different. Why would that be the case? Why would that be the case? And some people believe that because the author of the book of John is the only author in the Bible that, that calls Jesus the Lamb of God, um, that could be why he, um, he altered the chronological the sequel or the the days on which Jesus was crucified or um with the last supper and the crucifixion to to fit the narrative of him being the lamb of god as opposed to the other uh, Matthew Mark and Luke that does not have that in there at all okay so um let me just quickly go over some things here make sure um, this is why this is why when i get a question about the gospel of john you know a lot of times you guys know me you know that i'm like oh gospel of john okay i get it <laughs> i get it it's gospel of john um it's just way different it's way different and again if you compare Scripture with Scripture, the Gospel of Matthew lines up with the rest of Scripture more than any of the other Gospels. Hands down. Mark has got, Mark has got its own problems. Not as bad as John, but Mark has got its own problems too. But Matthew is, is, uh, is I would say, of the four Gospels, the more accurate, the most accurate. Um, I mean, we got very interesting facts, such as the early church fathers in the second century quoted um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, many of them quoted Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but didn't quote John. Why not? Why not? Um, even many scholars today, when, they, when they're talking about the, his, the historical Jesus, they use Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not John. Why not? You see, this is the thing. Many Christians don't do not even know what their own scholars say. They don't even know what their own scholars say. Okay. So, again, um, we certainly did not cover everything, but we cover enough to... to talk about. We covered enough to, um, to answer some questions to, to get you guys to think, okay? And it's, it's very important to think. It's very important to think for yourself, to research for yourself. So, and I hope that's really what we got here. So I see we got lots of comments as, as I can expect. Now again, um, if any of you, uh, I'm sorry if I missed your comments, because some of you, if you put comments in, in the live chat and you don't have the at Christopher uh, on the comment somewhere, I'm not going to, um, I may not, not that I'm not going to, but uh, I, I may not see it. 
Okay. So my apologies in advance. Um, so if I do miss your comment, make sure that you put the at Christopher sign in there. So that's a little bit, a little bit about the gospel, John. Again, we can talk a lot. I know a long time about it, but that's a, that's an appetizer. Let me put it that way. It's an apple. We can pick, we can go through a verse by verse and trust me, you'll see lots, lots of things in there. It's like, wait a minute. And hey, I think that, and this is, I know this is very good. This is going to be very controversial. Um, I think that the gospel of John should be put in the same category as the gospel of Thomas for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's so different because of the contradictions. And yes, there are contradictions. Uh, also, because of its age. The Gospel of Thomas is older than the Gospel of Tom. I mean, the Gospel, Gospel of John, excuse me. The Gospel of Thomas was written before the Gospel of John. Closer to the age, to the times of Yeshua. Close earlier, earlier. Now, what you might say, so, so what? Well, books that are written earlier have a less less of a chance of error because you already because you got people that are there that they have walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, heard Jesus, know that the 12, 12 disciples, perhaps even the twelve disciples were alive in, at that point in time. So it would be much more difficult. It'd be more difficult to write a book with errors in it in the earlier days, as opposed to the later, like after everybody already passed away, they're all gone, you know, the 12 disciples and all that, they're all gone. And then, and then you write, you know, a gospel a book or gospel, whatever you want to call it. It's a lot easier to put it, put things, slip things in there. That's well, not necessarily, not, not necessarily that accurate. Let me just say that. Um, so take it for what it is. At the end of the day, I think the biggest problem, and we'll see this as we go through uh, tomorrow, um, I have like a, what I call an open mic, although it's not really going to be anybody singing. It's going to be an open mic in the sense of um, the floor is open for anybody to come and, and uh, come on as a live guest and ask questions. And hey, if you want to have a little debate or discussion, hey, come on, welcome. That's tomorrow. That'll be Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. The next day, Lord willing, I have another um, uh, special live stream uh, that will that will be um, on one p.m. Eastern. One p.m. Eastern, and there is a uh, there's a lady uh, that's going to be coming on, and we're going to be talking about Paul, um, and so she'll be on with me for a little while early on Sunday. Lord willing, we'll also have the Sunday evening live stream as well. But throughout the next few days, I think the, the biggest thing, really the foundation, the, the, the root of, of the problem is the Bible canon. The Bible canon is not biblical. It's not biblical. The Bible is not biblical in that way. 
Again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about Bible translations. I'm not talking about Bible versions. I'm not talking about the books, the individual books of the Bible. I believe each book of the Bible for what it says about itself. In fact, many of these Protestants, um, Bible worshipers, I, I believe the Bible more than they do. They believe what man says about the Bible. I believe what each book says about itself and its place in the hierarchy of Scripture and its, play, and its accuracy and its author. Not every book was, is equal. Not every author is created equal. I believe each book of the Bible for what it is and what it says about itself. When Isaiah said, thus saith the Lord, I believe thus saith the Lord. No question about it. You know, so I think that really on the, the when it comes to the Gospel of John, and I've I said a whole lot in the past year actually about Paul, but I think the real the bottom line is the biggest problem is the way people view the Bible canon. They I they make a golden calf out of their Bible canon, which you should do. I mean, I, I I can't really say you should do it because I haven't done it myself. I'd like to do it. Um, but if we have the Bible, all the books in the Bible, individually, individual books of the Bible, not all together in one Bible, but each book individual of itself. That's really, that's really a lot better because it helps you see these books are not these books and we don't idolize a book. We read it for what it says. We believe what it says and we take the historical context. We take who the author is into consideration, all that thing, all those things. But the biggest problem with evangelical Christianity today is their, their outright worship of their 66 book Bible canon. It's not biblical. It's not godly. They need to repent of it. They need to look at it from a much a, a more of an objective point of view. Okay, in the chat, having said all that. Huh. Um, okay, I think that there's so many, there's so much going on in the chat here. I'm seems like I'm going to I'm going to miss some. Christina says, one that registers in my, in, in my mind as a contradiction I'd like you to address is he who is not with me is against me and whoever is not against us is for us. Um... He who is not with me is against me. And whoever is not against us is for us. Is this, um, let me see here. I just wanted to see the context of both of those quotes.
Uh, just let me see here. So Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verse 40, has got that, for he who is not against us is on our part. Luke chapter 9, verse 50, Jesus said, uh, for he that is not against us is for us. Uh, Versus, um, he who is not with me, let me just put against me, against uh, versus, hmm, I have to. Uh, just say, where we got here. Yeah, I don't see that in John here. Um, Perhaps if we go back to this and see if there's any um, cross-references. Might cross-reference. Uh, doesn't have a cross-reference to John there at all. Um, I know what you're talking about. It's just just to, to find it here. Um, uh, let me see. Okay, I, I don't see anything like that in John, so I, I'm not sure how to... Do you have a, a verse in John? I'm sorry, for some reason that's just not, it's just not cooperating with me here. Um, if you have a verse there, uh, that would help, Christina. I'm sorry, I'm not sure how to answer that without actually seeing the verses side by side. It, it, I mean, it does. It's like it's like half empty versus half full. It, you know, it does seem like the, a very weird way to put it. Um, let's see what else we got here. Yep. So one John says, if I remember correctly, the synoptics say that Yeshua was crucified on Passover, but John has a different day. Yeah, uh, you know, and I mean, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, I, I believe the synoptics over John any day, um, especially the book of Matthew. Uh, but yeah, if the synoptics would definitely win, um, if for no, no other reason, because they witness with one another and they're written earlier. One John makes it very, very interesting. Uh, I've had antinomians throw that verse about your law at me as saying that it was not a law that Jesus approved of. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever had that brought to my... I don't think it, anybody actually um, did that to me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, again, you, you look at first century... Christian documents or church documents, very, very Jewish. Just like in the book of Acts, 
Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You know, it's very, very Jewish. And But the, as time goes on into the second century, it gets less and less Jewish. And so um, it's very unfortunate. I mean, it really just, they lose the identity of, of the Jewish Messiah. And we see that, at least hints of that in the Gospel of John. And again, that's that just goes to show um, the uh, the dating of the Book of John is is so is is in that more of the in that era of being less Jewish. Okay, it's Matthew twelve thirty, Matthew twelve thirty. Okay, just a second here. Matthew 12, 30. So Matthew 12, 30 says, He that is not with me is against me. He that gather, gathers not with me scatters abroad. And um, in Mark and Luke, it says, For he who is not against us is on our part. Luke says, uh, Jesus said to him, Forbid him not, for he who is not against us is for us. Okay, so this is this would be like comparing, if I understand you correctly, Christina, this would be, con oh, versus, okay. Okay, sorry, I didn't even see your next, the, the next, um, versus 11.23. Okay. Okay, so this is comparing Matthew with Luke. Um, I think it's best just to go to, let me just go to um, Bible Gateway. It's kind of easier to compare it this way. Um, no, Matthew, Matthew 12, 30, 30 verse, uh, verses, uh, 11, Luke 11, 23. So Matthew 12, 30 says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not scatter, or he who does not gather with me scatters abroad versus he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. It seems to be very, very much the same, like pretty much saying the same thing, if that's what you're talking about. Um, Matthew 20, 12, verse 30, verses 11, Luke 11, 20, uh, 23, it's pretty much identical. He was not with me is against me versus he was not with me is against me. Um, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad versus he who does not gather with me scatters pretty much identical um, from what I from what I see. Pamela says, 
when are you doing the rest of First Samuel? Uh, Sunday evening. Sunday evening, I'll be back with First Samuel. Um, depending on how t tomorrow's going. I mean, depending on how tomorrow's going. If tomorrow, it depends on how many people I have that uh, want to join with me live. I mean, what I'd like to see tomorrow is like an open, have like one, two, three, I don't know, several different uh, guests on with me and just chat about things, talk about things, anything. Um, and so, yes, anybody in the chat, if you're in the chat, it reminds me, anybody in the chat right now, if you want, if you have some question that you want me to answer this, that's, um, I'd like to keep the topic tonight as basically just, you know, the, the book of the gospel of John, or at least, you know, somewhere around keeping the topic very close to that anyway, or the, you know, the uh, contradictions around the gospels, that kind of thing. Uh, but more specifically, John, but if you have any other questions, come back tomorrow. Um, and uh, I'd like to have people on, uh, hopefully vi live video feed. I know there's, uh, I find it very, very easy to find people uh, that leaves comments in, on my videos, especially on TikTok. Lots of comments, thousands of comments on my videos. And it's like, all these comments is like, I'm just shaking my head and looking at them. It's like, come on. I wish I could talk to these people. Like, come on, talk to me. Come on, talk to me, talk to me live. And I'll definitely speak to that comment. But they won't do it. They won't do it. They hide behind their comments and that's, they don't, they don't come out. You know, especially those who disagree with what I'm what I'm saying. I'd like to talk to someone that you know. If you have any evidence against what I'm saying, I'd like to talk to somebody about it. Um, so if if it's not very, it depends on what's happening tomorrow. If um, like there is a gentleman that wants to come on tomorrow and talk about the Book of Enoch with me, uh, it's a guy I'm not, I don't really know much. Don't really know him very much. So I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, just somebody off of TikTok. Um, so we'll see how that goes and hopefully get some other people there tomorrow. If not, I might jump into one first Samuel tomorrow. I might, depends on how it goes. If not, for sure, first Samuel Sunday evening. For sure, pick up where we left off Sunday evening and just go the rest of the week on first Samuel, going to second Samuel. Uh, and we will also I'll also be I spoke earlier about the um um reading the Bible chronologically. So some of the things in First Samuel and Second Samuel uh, is in the book of Psalms too. So I'm going to kind of be dipping into the book of Psalms as well as First and Second Samuel in and out. So um, yeah, we're going to do it chronologically. So for sure Sunday night, perhaps tomorrow a little bit, but for sure Sunday night. Thank you very much, Pamela, for the question. No Life Gaming says, uh, I'm going to bed. Let me see, when, when was this? Yeah, not that long ago. I'm going to bed. It's 3.30 a.m. for me. Thanks for having me. I've gotten a lot from this tonight. Oh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a pleasure having you as well. Come back soon and blessings multiplied to you. Have a wonderful night's sleep and a great day tomorrow. A sober day tomorrow with the Lord. Amen. Um...
You know, second verse says, uh, Chad is having a talk about wearing or having an airline heirloom style of cross. Uh, sounds like something you can address at some point. Yeah, I could address that at some point. Um, as far as tonight is concerned, I'm, you know, I think maybe tonight, if we, I'm not sure if you're available tomorrow to come tomorrow, maybe we can talk about, like, because I know a lot of people will be not just tuning in now, but also watching the replays of, uh, of this, uh, and, uh, just want to try to keep it a little bit more along the gospel of John, but yes, absolutely. Good, good, uh, good suggestion. And, uh, that's something we might want, we can talk about tomorrow, the second first. Thank you very much. Um, okay. I see. Okay. So, I mean, this is not addressed to me and I don't want to get into a whole lot of stuff. This is not addressed specifically to me, but we can hear, is he not the bread of life? The logos. Okay. So again, I, I, I tried to avoid, I tried to say all the stuff that I've been saying. It's like, I, I, is trying to make it clear. No, we're not saying that it's not that you know that he's not the bread of life or that he's not the logos. That's not what I'm saying. That's not that's not at all what we're getting at. What we're getting at is just the historical accuracy of the book of John. That's really what we're getting at. As far as all of those little details, that's another whole story all all in and of itself. So no, uh, I, I'm. I hope that I was very clear earlier that I'm not dissing the entire book of John. I am saying that there are quite a lot of questions we need to be asking. There are some inaccuracies, I believe, but I'm not dissing it. I'm not saying that everything that it says there is wrong. Don't get me wrong. Again, just before we get too far, if you got a question for me, put the at Christopher in there and I'm just specifically searching for those at Christopher. Okay, No Life Gaming says, I brought up the conversation and we'll bring it up tomorrow. Okay, great, awesome, awesome. All right, so okay, awesome. I don't see any more that's that's got at Christopher on it. So, so I'm going to leave it as that. So again, tomorrow, uh, two p.m. Eastern. I'll be I'll be on and it's kind of like an open open floor open mic kind of thing uh, hoping to get some good conversation in with some good people uh, I will be vetting whoever wants to talk to me because we don't want to be wasting our time I don't want to waste your time uh, and uh, we don't don't want to waste our time with trolls so anybody who wants to talk to me any of you if you want to you're all welcome. The only thing I ask is that you provide some kind of proof that you're not a troll. Uh, specifically, what I'm looking for is um, you know, a social media profile, maybe your anything that would show that you are that you are serious about God. I mean, maybe there's something in anywhere, YouTube, Facebook, even your screen name, something, something. 
that would show that you're just not a troll that's out for malicious, out for no good, that's going to waste our time. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing I ask is that you're willing to turn your camera on so everybody can see you. So that we're not talking to a black screen. Okay, that's that's it. Uh, so anybody who is willing to come on tomorrow and talk, and um, uh, I'm thinking perhaps even any other Shabbat as well, if you're listening to this, uh, this live stream in, in a replay. Um, usually our Shabbat uh, fellowship, open fellowship, talking about a variety, you know, an assortment, smorgasbord of different topics. So uh, if you or anybody you know of would be interested, if you like what we talk about, if you like what we say, you're welcome to come on and join. And even if you just hang in the background, whatever you want to do. Or um, if you don't like what we say, you disagree with what, what I anything that I say or everything that I say, come on, come and talk to me. Make your case, make your points and talk about it. I'll, I might have some questions for you. I might have some scriptures for you. Or you might, I might say, hey, awesome point and leave it as that. You know, I mean, hey, again, we need to all come to the table, say, we got an open mind. I could be wrong. Let's see. The best man wins, right? So to speak, you, you, you throw out your evidence, I throw out my evidence, and the truth will always win. Amen? Amen. And so once again, on Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern, Lord willing, I will be on with a... Uh, uh, with a lady, her name is Courtney. She's from TikTok. And uh, I think she has a channel on YouTube as well. And so uh, she wants to talk to me about uh, Paul. She wants to talk about Paul, and I'm pretty sure we'll probably get into a few other things as well. Uh, and uh, you can join me then as well. It's Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow is Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Also, Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, I will be picking up with uh, the book of Samuel and read on with the book of Samuel. Okay, guys, just want to check here before I... Christina, awesome. Um, I think that'd be awesome. Awesome, awesome. If you want... Okay, so... I will join tomorrow. Where do I contact to show? You don't need to show. I know I know you well enough. You don't need to show your profile. I, I, those of you who I know, then yeah, um, I definitely. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say you have to show me your profile. Uh, I know you well enough. Now, I just want to double check. I think, um, I think the, the, the link to join is actually in the, the, the video description of uh, in tomorrow. Let me just double check that. Yeah. So I don't even, um, yeah, it's there. So Christina, if you want to join, yeah. Um, just come on, uh, tomorrow, 2 PM Eastern, uh, and use that link that's in the video description. And that will give you a chance to come on, turn your camera on and, have a great time chatting and all kinds of stuff. It's awesome. Okay, let me see. Um, 
The Tower Time says, Christopher, will you post the challenge for TikTokers who would like to challenge or comment to, to come to the thing tomorrow too, perhaps you'll get, you'll get more. Um, yeah, I posted a video on TikTok about that, uh, specifically, you know, especially the, the people on TikTok, they're very, they're very, uh, <laughs> they're very vocal in the comments section every video that I post, they're very vocal, you know, against a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people there that are for it too. And I, you know, I, I appreciate that, but there's a lot of people that are not for it. And I'm like, come on, let's talk. Let's do it. Let's do it. Talk about it. We'll talk about things. I, I'm sure I'll have questions and perhaps they have questions for me too. Fine. Um, and so I did post a video on TikTok challenging them all, uh, inviting, you know, those who, who like what we do and like what we talk about and also challenging those who don't like what we do um, to come on. And I haven't gotten, I only got like one guy and it was, it's not, it's a guy that's not, he's not really opposed to, to me as far as I see. Um, he's the guy that says, well, let's talk about the book of Enoch. Well, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, let me see here. Yeah, just just give me a second. Oops. Um, just want to see what I got here before. And by the way, any of you, if you want to contact me privately, you got my email here as well. Uh, you can do that as well. Use the email and you can contact me privately that way. Okay. Okay, one John. Yeah, the question briefly. Um, yeah, briefly. Do you think dis displaying a crucifix is prohibited or worshiping it? Uh, the thing, worshiping it, the prohibited thing that qualifies this. Yeah, like at this point, like yeah, getting it, getting into all the, like a lot of detail. Um, I would like to save this for tomorrow, but of course, worship, worshiping anything is not good, right? Worshiping anything is, is definitely not something that you, that's, that's allowed. Uh, it's certainly worshiping anything, but God is prohibited for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about it more uh, tomorrow uh, in, 
you know, and uh, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into a lot more detail about that. Thank you very much, John. One John. Okay. Yep. That's it. We'll be wrapping it up here. Uh, Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. That was awesome. As always, God bless everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you very much, Vinny. God bless you more. Shabbat Shalom. I guess, is, is it Shabbat now over there? I guess it would be. Or maybe it's done by now. I'm not sure. The Tower Time says, okay, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Nice. Maybe make it a weekly challenge out of it. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Okay, guys, I'll see you all tomorrow. As always, thank you very much for your questions and your comments. Thank you for your fellowship. And um, yeah, got lots of stuff to think about. Um, I'm sure that, you know, Lord willing, maybe a, another day we'll do it more, maybe like a part two of the Gospel of John. We'll see how it goes. But I think we said a lot. We said a lot uh, in this live stream enough to uh, enough to get some gears turning, enough to show some evidence, facts, get people thinking about about the whole th- the whole situation. One John two twenty six says, "Okay, thanks. Tonight was it was very interesting. Blessings to you. Blessings multiplied back to you. One John, thank you very much." Okay, guys, I'll talk to you. I'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. In the meantime, if you can think of anybody that would be interested in joining, again, it's easy for them to join. Just come on the live stream. Um, and in the in the uh, video description of the live stream tomorrow will be the link to join. Okay, guys, blessings multiplied to you. You guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, night, day, wherever you are in the world. And I'll see you tomorrow. As always, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.